I'm Tom Francis, and this is Next Up to the Mic, featuring readings and performances from the poets and spoken word artists that have appeared at regional events such as Albany Poets Presents, Poets Speak Loud, Brass Tacks, Nitty Gritty Slam, and The Word Fest. In this episode, we welcome Don Levy, who is our featured reader at Poets Speak Loud at the Lark Tavern on March 30th, 2009. Don Levy has been part of the Albany poetry scene since 1989, when he first read at the legendary QE2 open mic hosted by Tom Nattel. He has read at various venues and events in Albany, including the Albany Public Library, Poets in the Park, Poets Speak Loud at McGeary's and the Lark Tavern, and the Third Thursday Poetry Night at the Social Justice Center. He has hosted a number of readings over the years, the first being at the Albany Art Gallery on Jefferson Street, to his last, a featured reader open mic series called Live from the Living Room, a straight friendly reading held at the Pride Center of the Capital Region. Don was one of the editors of Open Mic, the Albany Anthology, a fantastic book that featured work from poets who frequented the local open mics in the mid-90s. He published two chapbooks with local artist Kevin Bruce, How Green Was My Big Eden, a collection of gay fantasy poems, and Super Queer Poet Saves the Day. He currently writes a blog on the Albany Poets website called The Next Chapter. Please welcome, next up to the mic, Don Levy. Lark Tavern for having me here, and um, a lot of these poems, actually all these poems are pretty new, and some of them I've read around, some of them I haven't. I'm going to start out with a political poem. Um, I was very excited, I think like most people, when Barack Obama was inaugurated, so it was an amazing day, and I really like the inaugural poet, um, Elizabeth Alexander, what she had to say. But, you know, me being me, I thought, well, there are a couple of things she didn't say that I would like to say to her. So this is called The Inaugural Poem I Never Got to Read. I know President Obama. I wouldn't be your first choice to be to read a poem on your inauguration day. I'm a heavyset queer poet. More, no more for my funny poems. I'm not really a deep thinker easily distracted by bright colors or new episodes of Clean House. Still, I am proud that this day, that we can, you made history, which I could never imagine when I was growing up in the 60s. You were the first Afro-American president in this country. You opened the door for the first female president, the first Hispanic president, the first Asian American president, the first Jewish president, maybe even the first out and gay president. A girl can dream. I have to admit you were not my first choice. Unfortunately, that was John Edwards, and we all know how bad of choice that was. But you eventually won me over with your hope and optimism your call for change, your aspiring speeches. And while McCain and Palin took the negative road, you never played the politics of desperation. And listen, I don't expect you to strain out all the country problem in one fell swoop. You've inherited a hot mess. Iran, Afghanistan, a worsening economy, people 
out of job, people almost losing their homes, and even a peanut butter scare. It will take many years to clean up the toxic problems that George W. Bush and his administrators started. He was the worst president in recent memory, so you could only go up. So President Obama, I have only three pieces of advice that I hope you will heed so we can elect you for another four years when 2012 rolls around. One, don't fuck it up. Two, don't fuck it up. And three, don't fuck it up. And that part sort of goes with the whole thing about him. It's supposed to be a new era, and of course, people are the same jerks. Um, and I know I've read this one before. It's called, uh, called Throwdown at the Albany Public Library. I was feeling good. First Saturday of the year, I had my gym bag over my shoulder, and I was going to the Y. But first I had to pick up DVDs at the library. I was probably standing too close to the bleach blonde in her 40s, wearing a faded jean jacket, when I reached over the cart to get Lars and the Real Girl, despite the goofy premise of a man dating a blow-up doll. Because I like Ryan Gosling, even though I've never seen him in The Notebook, but liked his performance in Half Nelson. And meanwhile, this woman next to me was hogging most of the cart exhibiting the most annoying habit of touching each and every DVD on the car. I mean, I don't understand these people who have what I would call DVD OCD. If you don't like French movies, and then the title isn't French, don't touch it. <laughs> if you don't like Westerns, and there's a picture of John Wayne on the cover wearing a cowboy hat, and the only movie you like with cowboys was Brokeback Mountain, don't touch it. <laughs> anyway, as I reached over, my chin bag must have tapped her, and she looked at me and said, in a booming voice, you hit me. I calmly apologized, explaining that my bag must have tapped her, and I was awfully sorry, but her voice got louder. You hit me. I thought, not yet. <laughs> I said, you were touching each and every DVD cover. She started to shout some more, and I was close to making a catty comment about her jean jacket. Because I'm gay, I can do that. But I thought it wasn't worth it to have a confrontation of brouhaha with someone wearing an ugly jean jacket. So I walked away thinking, new year, new president, same sucky people. <laughs> and it's true, people still speak. <laughs> um, this next one I'm dedicated to Mary. She got me hooked on Mad Men, the TV show. And if, I don't know if you've ever seen the credits. I was watching, I took out the library, like the first season DVD. And so you watch the uh, opening credits over and over and over again. And there, it sort of was fascinating to me because um, it's, it's done sort of like in the style, like of the 50s and 60s title, sort of. It's very interesting. You have to watch it. So this is just about me basically, you know, talking about it or describing it. It's called Man Man Falling. 
It is hot out this morning. You enter slowly into your office, put down your briefcase. Someone left the fan on. Suddenly the room starts to melt. Pictures from old ad campaigns fall to the floor. Then you, you fly out the window, past previous ads on the sides of buildings, families out for a drive in the new station wagon, half of a bra, a whiskey glass you think will catch you, doesn't. All this time you might be thinking of your wife, your kids, your many girlfriends, your parents, but no, you're a madman. You think of ad campaigns you worked on, Pan Am, Coca-Cola, Lucky Strike cigarettes, Vicks Vapor Rub. You remember saying in the pitch meeting, the purpose of advertisement is half to sell happiness. You are not happy. You can feel your body crash into the sidewalk. It is hot this morning, and someone left the fan on in your office. This next poem is, I don't know why I relate it to the previous one, because it really has nothing to do with it, except it was a dream I had. And actually, you know, um, Mr. Fiskin, who I talked about, was our next door neighbor. He was this nice Italian man, and he actually had a bocce ball court in his yard. They really didn't hurry. I would not make this up. So this is called Mexican Bar Dream, and for some reason, Dan Wilcox was in it. <laughs> I'm in some sort of Mexican cantina with Dan Wilcox, and it's full of middle-aged men drinking Dos Equis. Dan gets up to talk to someone I don't know, and this one old man sitting along the wall, looking like our neighbor on June Drive, Mr. Viscanti, stands up and throws an open beer bottle underhanded in my direction. Just like the bocce balls Mr. Fiscandi used to throw in the court in his backyard. The bottle lands on my lap, but before I could yell, what the fuck, the man comes over, sits on my lap, and starts to bite hard on my lip. Bites hard on my right hand. I scream Dan, saying I can't see him anywhere, and no one comes to my defense while I'm bleeding from my mouth. Then I wake up, cough once, twice, shake my head, and say to myself, I gotta get off this NyQuil junk. <laughs> this next poem um, came about because I was talking to my nephew. He's, he, well, he was 11 then, he's now 12. And I love it because he and his sister think I'm the funniest person. So, and I was telling him about the story about this girl, Eunice, who came to school. She was a um, foreign exchange student. And I did this like, hello, I'm Eunice from England. And he thought that was the funniest thing he ever heard of. So, and uh, I was trying to explain to Alex, you know, I said, I wanted to be the foreign exchange student. He was like, but why? Why would you want, I'm like, I do not want to go to a foreign country. So this is why I never had a foreign affair. I remember sitting in the darkened cafeteria at Colony Central High School around 1977, listening to a girl our age with beautiful Marsha Brady hair, talking to the members of the Interact Club 
They included me and most of our friends from the drama club, including Jeff Leggett, Dave Cavallaro, Pete Tunney, Vicki Mackin, and Rose Birch, all of us wearing our favorite polyester print shirts. She showed us slides of the time she spent in South Africa as a foreign exchange student. And even though I did not want to go to South Africa, especially back in the 70s when there was apartheid, I did have dreams of going around the world and seeing it as a foreign exchange student. How cool would it have been if I lived with Pablo from Madrid and let him gore me up the ass every once in a while? I'd go to Switzerland and be a cute Swiss miss to a hunky mountain guy named Gunter, who would always let me climb his Matterhorn. I live with Sandra in Holland and let put my finger in her dike. Well, it was the 70s. Haven't any of you seen Swingtown? I meet Sean from Dublin at the pub and get him so drunk that he lets me kiss his blarney stone. The only thing was, though, you had to have good grades, and even though I worked hard, I was a B and C student who got my few, one of my few A's in my theater games class. And all I had going for me was when I was playing one of the Fagin kids in the musical Oliver, I said my only line, nose rag, as if I were Sir Lawrence of fucking Olivia. <laughs> Now, the Interact Club wound up sponsoring the stuck-up girl named Eunice from England to come to our school. Hello, my name is Eunice. I love to eat crumpets and drink tea, don't you? And that's an awful, but... <laughs> it amuses the 11-year-old. Her face was full of zits. She always wore fuzzy cotton sweaters. And let's not talk about her teeth. She worked on the yearbook committee, her face in three pictures on one page, and even invaded my turf, the drama club, better known as Lion and Q. I don't ever remember her talking to me. She always looked at me as if I had the word asshole tattooed on my forehead. I hated her so much, perhaps out of jealousy, I realize now, that I wanted to lean over her during chemistry class at St. We did win the Revolutionary War, you fucking British twit. So why don't you take that and shove it up your Thames River, baby? <laughs> I thought we were going to have an awful moment there. It looked a little wobbly. <laughs> like the rest of my life, wobbly. Um, this next one, and people seem to like it from when I read it dance recently. I'm not a big fan of St. Patrick's Day. Because I think basically it's just a day to drink. You know, which is fine, but I wish people would just say we're going to drink. You know, because you think it's going to be about Irish culture. You never hear about the potato famine. You know, it's just about drinking. So this is called, and I love this title. So many people have his lucky charms. They're no longer magically delicious. I hate St. Patrick's Day. First of all, I'm not Irish. And I hate it when people say, on St. Patrick's Day, everybody's Irish. Oh, really? Does this mean I'm the Old Kipper? 
I could go up to people and say, It's Yom Kippur! Everyone's Jewish! Now fast till sundown, bitches! <laughs> hey, I'll be Irish if you could either show me a Seamus Levy or an Ernie O'Leary. Oh, there we go. A co-worker told me a couple years ago that it's not just enough to wear green on March 17th. You have to wear Kelly Green. Whatever the fuck that is. Is it named after Grace Kelly? Gene Kelly? Clint Kelly from TLC's What Not to Wear? It's not bad enough that I can't wake up on that day and wear my red shirt with my blue socks. No, only Kelly Green will do. But the thing I hate most about the day that it gives a piece of reason of people reason to drink all day. Not only that day, but to drink through that night and all weekend long, and sometimes even the weekend after. Words. Maybe the point is to turn your liver green. <laughs> Have you ever rode the number 12 bus to cross skates on, at 9.30 a.m. that day? The bus is full of drunk SUNY students who have been drinking all through the night. One year, a girl with a butterfly tattoo over the crack of her ass kept bending over in front of me like she was about to throw up on my sneakers. <laughs> and man, when all the students leave the bus, it still smells like a brewery. So why don't we just call St. Patrick's Day what it really is? Drinkity drink drink day, or happy anti-recovery day. Or drink until you either puke, sleep, fall downstairs, or get into a fist fight with an entire fraternity day. Listen, I'm a state worker, and I don't get that day off, so it doesn't count as a real holiday. I say you're gonna take the Blarney Stone, Leprechaun with their pots of gold, Shamrocks, the song Danny Boy, the River Dance, the Celtic Woman, James Joyce, you two in that fucking green beer and shove it up your arse until you turn the perfect shade of Kelly Green. I know, I was... Uh, averting tragedy. There probably more comedy. And I'm going to end with more serious poem, because um, you know, as a gay man, you you know, you hear a lot of you know homophobic remarks, or you see a lot of homophobia in the culture, and you know, sometimes you get used to it. Sometimes you know it pisses you off. So this is called "I Am Faggot, Hear Me Roar." For those who call people or things they don't like or understand gay, fuck that shit. For those who say, love the sinner, hate the sin, fuck that shit. For people who think diversity does not include gay, lesbian, bi, and transgender people, fuck that shit. For people who snicker when they see two men holding hands, fuck that shit. For people who thought Matthew Shepard got what he deserved, fuck that shit. For people who find homophobic movies like, I now pronounce you Larry and Chuck. Funny, fuck that shit. For people who've told AIDS jokes because AIDS is so funny, fuck that shit. For those who think two men beating the crap out of each other in a cage is cool, while two men kissing is gross, fuck that shit. 
Are those who think gay men can change their orientations like you would change underwear or a new pair of pants? Fuck that shit. For people who think all gay men are pedophiles, while it is known fact that the majority of child molesters are straight, fuck that shit. For those who use the Bible to beat up on gays and lesbians, fuck that shit. For poets who will never come to my poetry reading because it's held at the Gay Lesbian Community Center, fuck that shit. For the people who think gays and lesbians don't belong in the military, are against same-sex marriage, and would deny me my rights because I'm queer, fuck that shit, fuck that shit, fuck that shit, fuck that shit, fuck that shit into the ground where it belongs. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Samira. That was the great Don Levy. You can find him on Facebook and Instagram, and of course on albanypoets.com where he writes the column, The Next Chapter, about books and reading. Thank you for listening to Next Up to the Mic. We couldn't do it without the very generous supporters of local poetry and spoken word. If you would like to support this and other Albany Poets projects, please go to albanypoets.com donate. And if you're a business and want to sponsor this podcast, send an email to albanypoets at gmail.com. To find out more about the great poetry and spoken word community we have here in upstate New York, go to albanypoets.com and follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at albanypoets.